Our game of the week is South Carolina State versus FAMU, and we're breaking it down with three matchups, two storylines, and one key to victory. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey's over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives you see it on the bottom of your screen if you're looking at it on youtube if you're on audio wherever you get your podcast at because we're wherever you get your podcast at make sure you add an s on the end it's south exclusives and today's episode is brought to you by underdog sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code locked on that's one word and get your first deposit matched up to hundred dollars that's a, that's a pretty good deal if i do say so myself i think it is a pretty nice deal for all of my betting people and we'll hear more from underdog as we continue with today's episode but first i want to break down this famu versus south carolina state matchup and i want to start off with three matchups that we should be looking out for number one comes in the form of isaiah land versus the south carolina state offensive tackles isaiah land in my opinion is the best player on either roster take everybody on south carolina state take everybody on fam you i believe that he is the best player on that roster right so with that being the case it's going to be south carolina state's offensive tackles job to make sure he's not the best player on the field one of those things where we often talk about how oh this person is the best player but this other guy was the best player on this day so we have to make sure if we're South Carolina State we have to make sure that our offensive tackles don't allow Isaiah Land to perform at the level that he can perform right and it's been a decent season for him and if he were to get a sack in every single game which he almost has he missed one game at getting a sack but if he's gotten a sack in pretty much every other game you're going to be looking at nine, maybe 10 sacks, right? And that's a solid season. But when you look at the standard that he set last year, it's not. And I think that's one of the reasons that it feels as if he's getting a real slow start to the season. But I don't think that's reason to be concerned at all because he's had a sack in all but one game. Mind you, he missed the first game. But he's had a sack in all but one game, a tackle for loss in all but one game. And the only game he didn't register either of those stats was the Albany State game and in that game he had four quarterback hits which was his greatest amount all season long but what's going on why does why does things feel a little bit off with Isaiah Land and it's simply because he's gotten off to a slow start but that's not strange he got off to a slow start last year last year he wasn't racking up a bunch of multi-sack games until about week four he's played four games now now he's going into week five ironically week five last year 
for Isaiah Land and the family Rattlers, but this year is just week five for him, right? That week five game was against South Carolina State. So when you look back at what Isaiah Land was able to do against South Carolina State last year, in my opinion, it's his best game of the season. You have five sacks in that game. You have four and a half tackles for a loss. You have nearly 10 disruptive stats on the day. To me, that was his best game. And the thing about Land is he can penetrate and get to the quarterback. He can penetrate and stop the run. And even when he's not getting into the backfield, you have to be wary because he will get his hands up and bat down a couple of passes. To me, he just put together his best game thus far in the season against Mississippi Valley. And the reason I say that's his best game is because he had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery to also go along with his disruptive stats. So with that being the case, I'm sitting there like, maybe he's heating up. Maybe we're about to see this Isaiah land. It's game five again. Y'all already know, Big Five. Big Five alumni, there's nothing greater than the five, and we'll see in his fifth game of the season is he, if he erupts like he did last year. That'll be something that we should definitely be looking out for, and he'll line up on both sides. So that's why there's no specification about which offensive tackle is going to be on both of them. So we'll watch that. B.J. Bowler versus Shaq Davis is a matchup that I'm really interested to watch. Um, Shaq Davis is year has been statistically solid it's also been pretty quiet and it's kind of weird see when talking about south carolina state i always find struggle in speaking about them because they played two fbs opponents and they played two fcs opponents and i'm not really counting too much against the fbs opponents i've said it before y'all know where i stand on it i'm not counting too much against that but when i look at the two opponents that they played on the same level as them, North Carolina a and and Bethune-Cookman, it's kind of odd. And even in totality, when you look at Shaq Davis's season, I've watched all the South Carolina State games except for the last one against South Carolina. Well, against UCF, everybody was quiet, but he did get a touchdown in that game. Against Bethune-Cookman, he only had one catch, but it was an 87-yard touchdown pass. And then against North Carolina a and I thought he had a pretty good game. It was quiet because I don't feel like the impact was there because the offense didn't efficiently move the ball. But he was going against Karon Prunty, who just got Big South Player of the Week because he had two interceptions against Bryant, and he won that matchup. He won that matchup. He had 127 yards, and even though it didn't feel like the offense was moving greatly against the Aggies, I did feel as if Davis won that matchup even though the impact might not have been felt in the way that you would have expected with a matchup like that. But he did win that matchup, so that's a good game, and I wasn't able to really catch the South Carolina State game or the South Carolina game, and he didn't score in that last one. But he did put up a decent amount against an FBS opponent, so we got to see what's going to happen here. But B.J. Bowler and the FAMU passing defense, they've also kind of been skewed by having – one or two big games led up against them, right? So the North Carolina uh, game against them. The Jackson State game, you can't, like, defend that, but that is when you're factoring in to the whole season, really working against them. But I think that recently, when you look at the Albany State, the Alabama A&M, the Mississippi Valley State game, they've done a better job containing the pass. The only thing that'll scare me is they didn't allow much of anything to Valley, but they did allow an 83-yard pass well if that happens to davis that might just be a touchdown 
And that might be something that really propels this offense to another level. And then lastly, the last matchup that I want to get into is the flip side of that. We talked about Shaq Davis versus B.J. Bowler. Well, let's look at the FAMU wide receivers. And I want to look at Xavier Smith and Jamare Sharid versus the South Carolina State defensive backfield. And I think that Smith came into this season with a lot of, of press on him. A lot, not pressure, but press on him. And a lot of people knowing and feeling like, oh, he could be somebody. He's one of the more decorated FCS players out right now so people know who xavier smith is and he hasn't failed to live up to that expectation in my opinion from the moment they started you take out the game versus jackson state because everybody for fam you really faltered against jackson state you don't lose the way they did to the tigers unless everybody's just bad right you're not really going to have somebody who stands out in that but overall in the season take out that game his lowest yardage amount 78 yards he has six touchdowns on the day, on the year. Leads the swack by about two touchdowns. He's really good at that. Then you look at Sharid. He's the sixth leading receiver in the, in the conference. We're talking about per game. Smith is number two, right behind Dallas Daniels, who's at number one. But overall, when you add all the yards up, Smith is at number one right now. And for Sharid, he hasn't been as consistent. You look at his first three games, six receptions for 47 yards. I'm not listing anything else. That was the totality of his three games. But the rise of Sharid, in my opinion, I don't know if it's coincidence. I don't know if it's the reason. But the rise of Sharid in the receiving game has added to Moose in the passing game. When you look at, it can't be a coincidence. But when you look at what Sharid has been able to do in the last two games as opposed to the first three games of the season that he played, the offense has gotten much better, and so has he. Against Alabama A&M, he had seven catches for 138 yards. Musa had his highest total of the year, 343 yards. Against Mississippi Valley, he had five catches for 74 yards. Musa had his second highest total of the year, 291 yards. So that's nearly two 300-yard games back-to-back. -back. And the South Carolina State pass defense is inconclusive. I'm taking out the two FBS games, but if I want to just weigh the two FCS games, North Carolina A&T was playing them with, his, with their stinking third and fourth string quarterback. How much can I weigh that? If I'm going to be able to disqualify the South Carolina game and the Central Florida game, then I think I should also be able to disqualify the North Carolina A&T game because they didn't have their guy. They're, they're, they, they didn't even have the backup. We're sitting here talking about a situation where I'm going to take all the bad away from South Carolina State because they're in conditions that weren't really fair to them. No, I can't do that and not also take away the North Carolina A&T game just because it's fair. I mean, just because it was good for them. I can't do that. So they're inconclusive, and I'm still waiting to see what this defense is going to be on the, on the air. But, hey, what better time than seeing what Xavier Smith and John Murray Cherie going to do to you? This is the best time to prove yourself, so let's go ahead and do it. And going forward, we're still talking about this game. We're still here with this game, and now we're going to talk about two storylines that you should be watching out for in this matchup. But before I do that, I would love to tell you about Underdog Fantasy because that's who's bringing this episode to you. It's the easiest place to spice up your college football season. Now, you think you know the game. You think you know who's going to win the game. But what about the game within the game? Do you think that Shaq Davis is going to get over 100 yards? 
right? Those are the type of things that we're talking about on over uh, on underdog fantasy. The over-unders in the yards, right? So we're talking about receiving yards, rushing yards, passing yards. Which one are you going to take? If you know the game and know the game within the game, put your money down on it. It is available in 30 states. All you have to do is pick two to five players across any team, not just your team. Just pick them and then see if they're going to be if they're going to hit the over or the under. It's one of the easiest places to do all of your fantasy out there. Now, I want you to sign up with the promo code locked on, which is one word. And underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So put $100 down, get $100 for free. Go to underdogfantasy.com and find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. And remember, it is one word. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is gargantuan, meaning very large in size or amount. And I have two storylines for this game in FAMU versus South Carolina State. And the first one is, can FAMU play on the road? Whew, you know, I truly feel as if this storyline is kind of blown out of proportion. If I just have to be honest, um, the only reason it's really on this list is because it's something that Willie Simmons said. But I also feel like one of the reasons Coach Simmons said it is because you do just need to know how to play on the road. It might not even be about, oh, you failed on the road before. It's just you have to know how to play on the road to get where they're trying to get to, which is a playoff team, a championship team. You have to be able to go on the road and play. But anybody else who says it, they're not speaking from that point of view. They're speaking from an idea, assuming, I'm sorry. I'm assuming they're speaking from an ideology that FAMU doesn't play good on the road. And I just don't see anything in the 2022 season that substantiates that. I just don't. When I look at the two games that they played not at home, because they're really good at home. They won 13 in a row at home. But when I look at the games that they played not at home, whether that's a neutral site versus Jackson State or an away game versus North Carolina, do I think that if they played North Carolina with the same 20-some-odd players missing in Tallahassee that this game is all of a sudden going to be close? No, not really. I thought that Jeremy Musa looked good in that game. I thought they looked good anyway in that game. If you had to ask me if on the road did they play well against North Carolina, I'd say yes. But then if you want to go to Jackson State, they got blown out the water. I'll be honest, if it just moved from Miami to Tallahassee and stayed in the state of Florida, but now in their city within the state, do I think that all of a sudden that game is going to be closer? How much closer is that game? Not much closer to me. And I think that, A, Jackson State is a better team, period. North Carolina is a better team, period. But the other thing about this is that they just haven't started the season good at home either. Right? You're leaving more to be desired at home. So this idea that they're not playing well on the road is as if that road game or it being on the road is a deciding factor when it's really not. So when other people who aren't Coach Willie Simmons say, fam, you needs to, needs to play better on the road. Well, in 2022, I don't think that's been much of a problem. They were going to lose to North Carolina anyway. Jackson State's just better than them. And they just weren't good, period. Albany State, you probably wanted them to beat them a little bit worse, right? 
Then you look at Alabama A&M, they had to come back in that game. And in that same speech that Coach Simmons is talking about, you need to play on the road or learn how to play on the road, he also says offense showed up in the second half. That's a problem. And that happened at home against Mississippi Valley State. You had to come back and beat um uh, Alabama A&M you had to rebound and not really come back because the defense did a pretty good job in that second half or in that game altogether against Mississippi Valley but still you had to have a better second half performance and these are home performance so if you're talking about outcomes and if you're talking about performances neither one do I feel like was affected majorly by being on the road for FAMU this year now 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 I will say this if you want to go back a year ago and say, oh, they weren't playing good on the road and this is just a lingering issue, I could get that. I could get that. If you don't want to go year by year, you want to kind of string some things together. They did struggle a bit on neutral site and basically just non-home games. One was a loss to US, uh, USF, so Southern Florida. One was a loss to Jackson State, but that wasn't really a struggle. It was a close game. It was a defensive game. And then you look at the there was two one-score wins over Alabama A&M and then Mississippi Valley, ironically, right? That's the beginning. But then when you start putting it together, they beat Grambling good. They beat Southern good. They beat um, Bethune-Cookman good. Like, they got it together at the end of the year. So this idea that they just can't play on the road, I'm against. I do think that they need to be a little bit better to start the game, but we'll talk about that as well. The other storyline that we have is that South Carolina State is here to get their leg back. They ain't, they ain't really just going for how things worked last year. That was 30-7. to seven. That was their worst loss of the season outside of Clemson. When we look at the FCS opponents, that was their worst loss. That 23-point margin at the end of the game, it tied, <clears throat> excuse me, it tied their highest margin of victory, but they never lost to anybody else like that. Never lost to anybody else like that. Um, they lost four games in that year. Clemson, or they lost... Yeah, they lost four other games that year. Clemson, New Mexico State was also on the list. New Mexico State didn't even beat South Carolina State as bad as FAMU did. They want that lick back. And if you think that Coach Pugh ain't thinking about it, let me let me read you this quote right here. We have a tradition of having some knockout dragouts, right? That's Coach Pugh talking about South Carolina State versus FAMU. They beat us pretty good last year, but previous to that, we've always had good, solid back-and-forth games. It's always entertaining. So it's on their mind, but let's not forget that's not what usually happens when these two teams face off. And I think that's something that we should look a little bit into. But also, Coach Pugh's comments tell me, oh, we've been thinking about this. I'm sure they want that lick back. You don't think B.J. Davis remember that? You don't think Shaq Davis remember that? You don't think Corey Fields remembers that? There's team, I mean, there's players on this team. It was just a year ago. It was just a year ago, almost to the date, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're remembering that. And I think that there's going to be people who saying we got to get revenge for 2021. And I wouldn't be mad. That's that's what you do. That's bulletin board material. Can't go out like that. Right. I could relate that to something that happened with with, with a couple of my teams, but I ain't going to even go there. I'm not even going to go there. But I think that these two teams have played a bunch of times. I would be kind of shocked if it's another blowout on either side, to be honest. But I do know that South Carolina State is probably wanting to get their lick back. They probably wanted to get their lick back in the celebration bowl, to be honest. They probably wanted FAMU to be in the celebration bowl. Like, nah, man, I got to see this team again. But it is what it is. They ended up winning, so I know they're not upset about it. But I do know that they wanted to get a little bit of revenge on the Rattlers. And now 
they have their chance. And going forward, we're going to talk about the one key to victory for each team. It's different. We're not the same this time. They each have their own individual key to victory. And let me tell you about it as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to talk about the one key to victory for each team. And I'm going to start off with the Rattlers. The key to victory for FAMU is they have to start fast. They have to start fast. If you look over the last couple of weeks in their games against Alabama A&M and their game against Mississippi Valley State, I think that Jeremy Musa has put together two of his better games of the season. You look at his stats. I talked about him when illustrating the connection between John Murray Sharid's eruption and then also the efficiency of Jeremy Musa, but let's look at it one more time. You're looking at the game against Alabama A&M, you go over 300 yards. The game against Mississippi Valley, you're just under 300 yards, right? So those are your two highest yardage outputs of the season in the last two games. That's a thumbs up. I think that his completion percentage against North Carolina has been pretty difficult for him to break, but he still had decent completion percentages over the last couple of weeks. But he's also had back-to-back multi-touchdown outputs. But most importantly, he's had no interceptions in the last two weeks. That's been great for Jeremy Musa. All of those things are great. However, you're still looking for them to kick in quicker. Imagine if he has 300 yards, right, in a slow start. He has 300 yards in a game where he had a slow start. What if he gets going immediately? We could see him hit 350, maybe hit 400. That's pushing it. But... We could see that type of game if he comes out and plays right away. And it's not all about Jeremy Musa doing his thing because I think he's looked pretty good. But it's about the offense and being able to score. So now let's look at the first half of the last two games. Because mind you, Coach Simmons did mention, oh, you got to have a strong first half. You can't just play the last 30 minutes. He said that in that same speech we referenced in the first, in the, I mean, in the second segment. He talked about that. So let's look at these first halves that he had. First off, Clearly, you didn't start good against Alabama A&M, but that can really go on both sides of it. But you did not start good against Alabama A&M, which is why you had to come back. You had to come back because you did not start good. But let's get into that offensive performance in the first half against Alabama A&M. You had a safety. You coughed up the ball two plays into a drive, right? But then you score on the last drive of the first half, and the momentum just never stops. The only time that the punter, or the punter never sees the field, the only time you didn't score was the second-to-last possession, and that's because you missed the field goal. But you put yourself in scoring position every single drive of the second half. Let's get that type of efficiency in the first half. Let's look at the game against Mississippi Valley. Against uh, Valley, you had two scoring drives in the first half. Only two. Every other time, you're punting. And I don't mean you had attempts. No, you had two drives that you either scored or that you had two drives that you scored on, and you either scored on those two or you punted. Then in the second half against Valley, you only punted twice. So it's a complete flip. So you went from punting basically every other drive or every drive except for two, and now you're scoring on every drive except for two. Now you look at their game versus Valley, and they have two scoring drives in the first half. Every other drive is a punt. There wasn't even any attempted field goals or anything like that. It was either you scored a touchdown or you punted. 
right? So basically you're punting every single drive except for a couple when you happen to score. Now you get to the second half, which is what Coach Simmons been mentioning. You get to the second half and you're scoring on every single drive except for two. You have two punts in the second half. So you completely flip the script, but that second half script is what you're looking for. So you have to make sure that you're starting fast. And then for South Carolina State, they are a defensive team. And until the offense shows me some sort of spurt, I feel like FAMU's offense has shown me a spurt in multiple games that I know they can get it going. They can charge up. But until South Carolina State really shows me a spurt, I can't put any key to victory on the offense, really. Right? I tried that when it was the Bethune-Cookman game. No, when it was the North Carolina A&T game. But I just, I just, I didn't, I need to see more from the offense before I say the key to victory. So right now, that key to victory is defensive because they are completely a defensive team. Not even really 50-50, 60-40. They are a defensive team. Maybe 70-30, 75-25. That's how it feels because they aren't able to really string much together consistently offensively. And I think they will as the season goes on. But as of right now, they aren't. They're a defensive team, and for me, they have to force Florida A&M to be a running team. So the key to victory is essentially stop the pass, force them to run. That is my key to victory for South Carolina State because, fam, you can't run the ball worth nothing. They can't. They don't average three yards per carry. Nothing is screamed that they can do it yet, right? So Bashaw Tootin, he was able to run the rock on South Carolina State. However, this is also one of the best running backs in the FCS. Then against Bethune-Cookman, they did run the ball a little bit, but a lot of that was with the quarterback, Jalen Jones. I don't really see Musa doing that, and I don't think Terrell Jennings is Bayshaw Tootin. So with that being said, I'm going to trust B.J. Davis. I'm going to trust my linebackers to be able to stop the run. I'm going to trust that I have the talent who can do it. The numbers don't say they can do it, but the talent says, oh, they should be able to stop the run. I'm going to put my trust in the talent. That's me personally. That's what I think they should do. And that's what I think is going to be the key to victory. If you can stop most of them being able to pass on you and they're going to need to run the ball more, you might be able to really jump up. And now you get to heat up Musa. And maybe now you get to force some mistakes that he hasn't had in the last two games. That's my key to victory. Um, Quick hit going around the HBCU landscape. I was thinking about this the other day. I think I was just chilling on the couch and I thought about this. North Carolina Central's loss to Campbell was a gargantuan loss, right? That's a game where Campbell won. North Carolina Central was obviously affected by losing. I mentioned how South Carolina State and Jackson State, the conversations around whether South Carolina State can win this conference, and then also Jackson State having another opponent that people feel is formidable, Right. Those things change. But then also Alcorn bumped up to the number two rankings. I didn't even put that together in real time. And that was all in one episode that we talked about it. But it just kind of hit me. I was like, wow. That's some like some real ripple effects. That was crazy to me. Um, I don't know if that was crazy to you, but that was crazy to me that that whole episode, not even on purpose. The first two segments was on purpose. But the last segment and kind of one of the driving things, it was the thumbnail, it was also part of the title, was Alcorn jumping to number two. And that also, because they were on a bye week, that also was directly correlated to North Carolina Central's loss. I did not realize that on Wednesday's episode, that was such a driving factor of the show. And I thought that was crazy. So I wanted to end off Friday mentioning that. Let's go. Let's have a great week of HBCU action. Now, 
I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day we'll be back to recap this game on Monday, so you're not going to want to miss it. The same way you better not be missing our conference shows on the network. Go show friend of the show, Candace Cooper, some love on Locked on ACC. Chris Gordy on Locked on SEC in the whole gang in the meantime in between time if you're looking for me you can find me on twitter at south exclusives y'all see it until the next time that we hear each other family take care stay blessed peace